0: happy day Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Wow. How about that choir? It truly is Resurrection Day at Unity of Walnut Creek. We have been awaiting that for a long, long time. And thank you to Lisa Snorton Phelps for making it happen. Welcome to all of you and all the families, I don't know if you saw them, that were all over our lawn. I think we had like 150 or 200, I don't know, they were packed in the community room and all over the lawn. And welcome to those online and outside. It's a glorious day. Today's the day the stone has been rolled away. Today's the day that the light shines truly from us, that we are resurrected in our life in ourselves, in our beings. It's springtime. It's new life. It's all around us. It's within us. It's a joyful time. And just with all other major triumphs and breakthroughs, to fully appreciate this day, we have to understand the roundness of the Easter experience because there's so much more that happened, right? We so much more appreciate it when we are in a place of joy, when we recognize that at some point we were also in the depths of despair. (laughs) And that's what the fullness of the Easter experience is about. There is a crucifixion, right? There is a crossing out, a letting go that is represented in history just a couple of days ago, metaphysically through us right now in our experience. And so the whole experience is not for the faint of heart. That's why the Easter egg hid, you know? Do you know why the Easter egg hid? No. Because it was a little chicken. I know. It's a total groaner. I have a list of those, but I will spare you the rest. <laughs> I just wanted to hear us all laugh together. So the Easter experience is about Jesus, in a way, of course. I mean, he's the one that demonstrated for us. So we celebrate him, the man, the Christ consciousness that he represented, that he showed us. And the story is ours. It is also ours. And so it's helpful to look at the story, to reflect back at the story, and Jesus, of course, being the prime character, but there were also many other key characters in the process that happened throughout the Easter week. One of them that I've always been intrigued with is Pontius Pilate. ever kind of wondered about that guy? (laughs) Like what was going through his mind and heart and body and that experience where everything, the final decision was put on his shoulders. Pilate's name derives from two different meanings. One is pilum, which means javelin. It's a a Roman weapon, but used by the Roman army. And the other is pilus, this little brimless hat that was of the custom in Greece and Rome during those times. And in the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, it says that it symbolizes liberty, So you imagine even within this guy's name, there's these two really divisive seeming ideas, right? One about violence and weapons, and the other about liberty and freedom. And so within him, there is this struggle as well. Before Pontius Pilate has his face off with Jesus to decide his Jesus' fate, his wife tells him, I had a dream. And she says, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered many things in this dream because of him. And in the Catholic records, the libraries, it says that Jesus actually healed their son who had special needs previous to that time. So she also felt a a real connection, obviously, and gratitude for Jesus. So literally there, you can imagine, Pilate is on the veranda of the palace, right? And one ear is facing inside the palace, hearing this message, have nothing to do with this righteous man, leave him alone, let him free, in other words. And in the other ear, facing the outside of the palace, is an angry mob saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. What does he do? He's just in this whole tumult. He must be. He must be feeling some sense of, I don't know, there's something special about this guy. There's something unique. There's something important about his message and what he's doing and saying. And there's another part of him that is the more well-versed part of him, that it lives in the egoic world of power, right? He's the first, he's the governor of Judea. He lives in the political realm. That angry mob out there are his constituents, right? So there's all this to consider, all this, what is happening inside of him, what's happening outside of him, the pressures he must be feeling. Anybody ever feel this way? Like people are counting on you to make a decision and it's like, come on, what are you going to do? And you've got all this stuff going on inside of you. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know yet what the right decision is. I feel the push and the pull. Anybody ever? Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad to, I'm always glad to know I'm not alone. So so this is the space that he is in. Not a religious man necessarily, but an intuition is happening represented by his wife who is telling him what to do and this energy stirring in him. So in this state Pilate turns to the religious authorities of the day, and he says, is this guy, is Jesus, is he your king? Now, they really want nothing to do with this young renegade, right? He's stirring things up, (laughs) and they don't like it. I mean, they can't deny he's teaching some pretty profound things. He's miraculously conducting some healings. And he's saying crazy things like, your faith has made you whole when the person walks away healed. He's forgiving sins and basically telling us we have the power to forgive ourselves and each other. So everything he's saying is stripping the power away, the worldly power away from those religious authorities of the day, and they don't like it. And so what do they say? They sell out, and they say, we have no king but Caesar. Of course, Pontius is using that language because that's his worldview, right? King. Jesus is like, yeah, king, I don't know. I'm not a king. So he asks Jesus then. He turns to Jesus and he says, so are you a king? And Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. And then he says what he's really about. He says, for this I was born. For this I came into the world. And he gives his full purpose to testify to the truth. That's it. And then there is Pontius Pilate going, the truth, exactly. This is what I've been trying to get to. The truth, this guy's saying he's come to testify to the truth. I want to know what the truth is. He says, what is truth? And the question just hangs out there in the air, unanswered. We all know how the story ends, right? The truth is crucified later that day. But the next day, the truth lies silent in the tomb. And on the third day, on this day, the truth is resurrected. What is truth? It's a good question for today, isn't it? Who has the truth? Who knows the truth? What is truth? The whole ordeal, the trial, the sentencing, the crucifixion, the tomb, the resurrection, it's a mix of worldly and spiritual truths and untruths, just like what we walk today in our world, in our society, in our lives. So there are two primary kinds of truths. One is relative truth. It's relational. It's a kind of truth where I tell you the truth about how I'm feeling, and you tell me the truth about how you're feeling. We share our truths, our, our emotional truths. We share our intellectual truths, the best we understand, the ideas of life. We share from that place. That's relative truth. We act in integrity. We show up authentically. That's relative truth. Absolute truth is unchangeable truth. It's spiritual truth. It's something that we all have the ability to center in and to access. Jesus dwelled in that, in absolute truth. He drew from that great deep well of absolute truth and made it available, demonstrated it in the relative experience of life. And that's our charge too, that we go first to the well of absolute truth. He said, I'm in the world, but not of it. That's what he meant. I'm in the world, but not of it. I walk in the relative truth realm. Yes, we're all about that. But really what I'm of, where I come from, what I've come here to show is to testify to that absolute, unchangeable spiritual truth that says, you too are the consciousness of the Christ. You too can do the things I've done and greater things will you do. So getting to the truth of the matter or the truth of spirit can sometimes feel challenging for us, but we always have that pathway of inner guidance available to us. We can draw from that place. The German philosopher, Arthur Schopenhauer, says this, every truth passes through three stages before it is recognized. In the first, it is ridiculed. In the second... It's opposed. And in the third, it's regarded as self-evident. You see any of that going on in our world today? <laughs> There's certainly a lot of ridicule and opposition. And as spiritual beings having this earthly experience, every one of us in this room know in our heart of hearts that there is a self-evident truth that is on its way, that is resurrecting, that is becoming known. It's in the midst of the conflict and the divisiveness that we can say, oh, good, that's happening because there, that means there's a stirring. That means there's an awakening happening. That means that something is, it, there's some grist for the mill so that whatever it is that is going to rise up, that, that is going to come forth, will come forth in all of its glory. And so it's holding to that, it's knowing that, and it's helping usher it forth by also finding it within ourselves. So it all happened, right, in the Easter story. First, Jesus is ridiculed in every which way you can imagine. And, you know, things he says, he's ridiculed about. I am the father of one, the biggest whopper of all, right? Are you kidding me? I can't believe he said that. It's blasphemous. And then who, they might be saying, who are you to say these things? You know, if Jesus had social media accounts, <laughs> can you imagine? He would be trolled to no end, you know? Crucified by the word. <laughs> In the second stage of truth, Jesus is opposed, just like in the world we see, the opposition to things we are not familiar with and therefore not comfortable with. A new idea arises, a new messenger of truth, and we push against because, it's because we're afraid, right? Right? Generally, because it's in part because we're afraid, or it can be because we're afraid. And these ideas, these seemingly foreign truths, then, are considered dangerous. They're a threat. They're a threat to our world order. They're a threat to our power structure. They're a threat to our privilege. They're a threat to our customs. Opposers begin to talk with one another and decide we must rid ourselves of this truth. Well, they would not call it truth, but whatever it is that is getting in the way, there's opposition and it's on, this isn't about ideologies. I have to say that over and over again. This is not about bipartisanship. <laughs> it's about all of us in this sort of milieu of these, these kinds of stages of the rebirth of truth, the ridicule and the opposition that we are in the midst of. And then on Easter, we see that the truth cannot be killed. The truth is absolute, and so it keeps rising up again, showing up again, setting us free over and over and over again. So take heart. Don't lose faith. The truth is always being reborn in some form or another, and then it becomes self-evident. And once it becomes self-evident, it becomes our new norm. And we all say, oh, yeah, of course, Of course the Christ consciousness has arisen in you. It's our norm. Of course you can do anything. Of course I see your divine potential. This will become the way we speak to each other. Can you imagine? Of course the light is in you. Shine it more brightly. A way of speaking to each other that is so different than some of what we hear today. Tearing each other down. Tearing ourselves down. How does that... That is taking God's name in vain. That's what is meant by taking God's name in vain. It's when we take the I am and we tear it down. But this is not a day for that. This is the day for rising up. This is the day for lifting up. So when the truth reaches this stage of self-evidence, we can all see it. It seems... It might sound kind of complicated, or we might be grappling with the idea, well, how does this show up? Like, how do we do do this? And I think it actually is fairly simple, and it brought me back to Robert Fulgham's work, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. (laughs) He says, share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Or shoot people. Clean up your own mess. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Why is it so hard? That truth wants to be known. We are thirsty for that kind of truth in our world. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic and hold hands and stick together. Live a balanced life. Learn some, draw, paint, sing, dance, play, work some, take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make that a written affirmation everywhere in my life. <laughs> and my favorite, wonder. Wonder. Because that's where it all starts, right? Wonder. Wonder. I've had a lot of moments of wonder this morning, wondering, seeing all those families, wondering about if they might be touched in some way today by something here that we have to offer so that our ministry can really blossom into what it could be, wondering about all of you who I've missed, who I haven't seen in a long time, who are here on Easter Sunday and wondering if you'll keep on coming back, hoping affirming. (laughs) Wondering about the joy that is ours for the claiming. Wondering about the love. Wondering about the power of music to lift us up, to get us on our feet, to get us moving, to get us clapping, to get us in rhythm with one another. Wondering about how a divine idea can grow into a manifestation like that. Wondering about the power we have to co create the kind of world we want to live in. Wondering about truth. Really been wondering about truth. That's my White Stone word this year truth. Really been wondering about truth. Really been sitting like Pontius Pilate with that question, What is truth? and watching it float through the air. What is truth? What is truth? What is, truth? What is your truth? What is God's truth? What is the truth that wants to be known in you and through you and as you? What is the truth that you will live today and wake up tomorrow and say, Easter Sunday's over, and guess what? I still feel joyful. I still feel resurrected. I still feel life in me. I still feel love in me. I still feel the power within me to do what is mine to do, to testify to the truth in whatever way that is true for me. So much good for us to access. The Easter story is your story. You have a Pontius Pilate inside of you. Did you know that? You also have a Mary Magdalene inside of you. Mary Magdalene. Did I skip around? What was it going to say about Mary Magdalene? I think I got my pages out of order. Oh, well. Um oh yeah, there she is. Hello, Mary. (laughs) So sorry to confuse the slides in the booth as well. So on Easter morning, Mary Magdalene is the one who first arrives, right? She first arrives at the empty tomb. She's like, what happened to Jesus? And she sees this guy she thinks must be the gardener. And she goes up to him and says, where is he? And, of course, it's Jesus. And he says, who are you looking for? And she says, well, of course, she doesn't have to say because he knows and she knows. But why is he asking? He's asking her a deeper question because they both know she's looking for Jesus. (laughs) Who are you looking for? She's looking for herself, right? <laughs> Ultimately, she's looking for herself. She thinks she's looking for a teacher. When she recognizes him, because he does identify himself, she says, "Raboni, teacher. And she's thrilled and excited. And I mean, he's come alive. Imagine this. The person you loved, your beloved, your teacher, comes back alive. And you want to embrace them. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. Don't touch me. Don't cling to me. What is he saying? He's saying, everything has changed. Don't cling to what you used to be. Don't hold on and try to, to, to hold to some previous identity, you as my follower. It's no longer, no longer who you are, who I am. Something has happened here. I am not the only one who re- was resurrected, Mary. And Mary is the first to also experience then her own resurrection, her own transformation right there and then. A recognition right there and then. She goes from disciple, which is follower, to apostle teacher. A transformation happens on the way from the tomb to go tell the other previous followers, now teachers, And Mary becomes the apostle to the apostles. A major transformation, a major recognition of the power that is in her, the resurrection of the consciousness that is in her. But the key that Jesus expresses is, don't cling to me what are you clinging to some old way of being some old part of your identity some small and limited and lack-filled idea about who you are or who you used to be or who you should be letting all of that go that's the message let it all go so the truth can rise up transform be known in you and as you in the world So as opposed to Pilate, Mary's already versed in the, the, the work of the spirit, right? She's been on the path for a while now. So it might be a little bit easier for her to access that immediate transformation that occurs in her. But it doesn't mean it isn't all happening in us all the time, right? There's always places in our lives where we feel a little greener. Right? And we're in that process of I don't know, I didn't know what I didn't know, but we can reach for all I ever learned in kindergarten and then we'll know everything we really ever need to know. Right? <laughs> Those basic ideas, that's what will help us resurrect truth in ourselves, in our relationships, in our world, in our society, in our institutions, across the leaders of the world. It's that simple knowing that there is a truth here and that question that's floating through the air is now floating through my mind is now taking root in my heart and each of us has a path to walk that says what is truth for me how will i bring forth the absolute truth of being how will i testify to it as a message in my life the truth will set you free St. Teresa of Avila speaks the truth so plainly when she says, Christ has no body on earth now but yours. Christ has no body on earth now but yours. How will you use it truthfully, with honesty and integrity and authenticity? How will you show up in that way where you align with the one who sent you? How will you bring forth and help us all lift up the vibration of this planet so that we can live and dwell in an absolute truth that is resurrected life, that is filled with joy, that is overflowing love, that is a light that helps us guide our way? You are the one we've been waiting for. Happy Resurrection Day. (laughs) Well, let's speak this truth together, shall we? Truth is resurrected through me. I am living truth. And so it is. Oh, happy day.